0: many of you this morning would uh would say you're in a battle you don't have to raise your hand especially if that battles with the person beside you prefer not to prefer you not to I mean it was, was just Thanksgiving some of you spent some time around your family that was your battle you bad told some of you are in a battle with with your pants this morning you have on your stretchy pants anybody got on the stretchy pants this morning you don't have to raise your hands for that one either the truth is is that we all we, we all face battles, don't we? Uh, most of us this morning whether we're in a battle or we just got out of a battle or <laughs> you have a battle tomorrow, we face we face battles. For a lot of us there's there's something going on around us and we feel like it's it's a battle. It's it's a fight. There's there's a situation, there's a there's a thing and we feel like we're kind of caught up in the middle of it and we're not exactly sure what to do but we we, we, we feel it pushing at us. We we feel like we're, we're in a battle. For some of us, it's there's somebody we can't get along with. Anybody got that person at work who you have tried so many times to have a good attitude when you go into work, but when you see them, there's just something inside of you. They don't seem to like you, even though you don't like them. You've at least tried to pretend like you like them, but there's just there's just something about your personalities. You've, you you try, but there's just something that doesn't work. That you're you're in a battle. How many of you feel like you're in, in in a battle because there's 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 something that you're you, you keep thinking there's something that you're struggling with there's a there's a thought in your head and you don't like that thought but it keeps coming back over and over again or maybe you're battling with your identity and you know who God says you are you know that he, he is a loving father you know that you can fall into his arms but inside you're battling because you're believing what somebody else has always told you is true about you and so you're you're in a battle for some of you you're battling a sin and there's something that you have you have said over and over and over again i'm done i'm putting it behind me you've asked god to take it away you've asked him not to let you even have any access to it but yet you continue to go back to it over and over and over again and you're you're battling the truth is is that we live in a fallen messed up world have y'all watched the news lately we live in a fallen, messed up world, and so battles do come our way. Battles can come on several different battlegrounds. If you're a believer in Jesus this morning, the fact is, is that the Bible clearly says that we battle a real enemy. We have a spiritual enemy called Satan, who is the liar and the father of lies, who is speaking lies to you and I constantly we fight a real battle that we can't see but that rages in a spiritual realm and while we can't see it most of the time you can feel it can't you that's why sometimes you just get this overwhelming sadness or this darkness that's why sometimes it feels like everything breaks at the same time That's why it feels like sometimes that everybody is angry at you and you are in in constant conflict with everybody at the same time because we have an enemy who is wanting to kill, steal, and destroy every good thing that God has for you. He made a choice a long time ago not to worship God. God cast him out of heaven, and so today he wants to make all of us as miserable as he is. We have battles that we fight with the enemy. We have battles that we fight around other people. Am I the only one who struggles with difficult people? Now, the Bible does say that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but people certainly play into the conflict. Can't we agree that Satan uses people, he uses relationships, and they play a part in, in the conflict? That's why there's some, sometimes there's certain people that just seem to have it out for us. Do you have that person that it, it just feels like they're always targeting you? That's why you have that coworker is always trying to one-up you and who is always talking to the boss and trying to look important because they don't like you. And then sometimes the people we battle with the most are the people that are supposed to be closest to us. Thanksgiving just came and went. Sometimes, isn't it the, the family? Isn't it the people that are supposed to be closest to us that we battle with the most and we feel like we're butting heads and we feel like we're just in opposition to all the time? As a pastor, I see this all the time. You would think that a death in a family would bring people together. Most of the time, it does not. Even tight-knit families, when something traumatic happens in their life, they begin to lash out at each other. And then we fight the battle that may be one of the most difficult, and that's the battle within ourselves. Does anybody else ever feel like you're in conflict with yourself? Like you do have some thought patterns that, you don't, you don't like, that you try to move away from, you, you know they're not true, but yet they continue to, to pull you back and, 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 to, and to pull you down. Do you ever feel the internal struggle where you, you, you're sad, but you know you have no reason to be, and so then you convince yourself that you're not grateful, and you keep beating up on yourself? Or do you ever have any battles inside of you with anger, where you know that shouldn't make you that mad, but yet because the battle is raging inside of you, you can almost feel it like a thermometer till it rises to the top and bursts out. You're battling within yourselves or maybe you're, you're, you're blaming yourself and you feel regret and you feel shame because you continue to do that same thing over and over again. And so you battle with it and you battle with self-doubt and you battle with self-identity and you battle with restraint. No one, at least for me, is harder on me than me. Right? Nobody is more difficult to battle than me. I will tell myself things that I would never let anybody else tell me without hitting them in the nose. I will tell myself things that I would never let anybody tell about one of my family members. There's a battle inside of me. Just to be completely transparent, one of the battles that I face all the time, some of you probably don't care, but I have a microphone and they haven't muted it. One of the battles that I face that... It doesn't, maybe it doesn't sound like it's a big deal, but it is, is like, I'm two different ways. Number one, I I love people, but also I'm a people pleaser. Some of y'all can feel for me. And so the battle that I have inside and in my, my mind sometimes is, okay, I want to love them well and I want to serve them well, but at what point does that become, I just want them happy with me? at what point does it go from I love them to I want them to love me do you see we have these these battles that we face that we face I- inside ourselves we fight battles on one of those grounds with our enemy around other people within ourselves we fight a battle on one sometimes it's all three of those at the same time we battle so today, I want to kind of unpack what those battles look like and how we can get some victory. Now, this is going to be a complete flyover. I'm, I'm not going to have time to cover everything. Maybe we can come back next year and do a series on this. But I just want to kind of fly over this idea of, 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 of battling. I want us to maybe see battles differently. Today, this is my title. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. We'll get somebody out here later that can sing it better. I did hear a woo, I don't know if that was a woo, that's bad, or a, do you want more? Okay, no you don't. Um, But uh, this is how how I I fight my battles. I want us to take a look at um, King David. In the Bible, in the Old Testament. The, old, the Bible is divided into two parts, if you don't know, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament is kind of the history of Israel and how God led them, tried to lead them into relationship with Him. And then the New Testament is about the life of Jesus and the beginning of the church. This is in the, in the Old Testament. It's a story about a guy named uh, David. For those of you that, that don't know, David was born about 1000 BC in Bethlehem, just in case you have some sort of Bible challenge that you need to win. That's probably the only time, time you need to know that. But he grew up under the rule of King Saul. Saul was the first king of the nation of Israel. They had never had a king before, they wanted a king. Finally, God says, okay, I'm gonna give you a king. He, he grew up under the rule of Saul. Saul started out as a pretty decent king, but quickly pride got the best of him. And God said, Saul's no longer my man, I need a new king. So he calls this, the prophet of the day named Samuel, that he would speak to Samuel and then Samuel would pick out the, the, the new king. So Samuel goes to this man named Jesse who has at least eight sons that we know of and he says, Jesse, the next king is gonna be one of your boys. Can you get them all in a line and I'm gonna see which one God picks. The only problem is that Jesse only got seven, seven of them in a line, he left King David out and so Samuel walks up to these seven boys and he goes through each one of them and none of them are God's man. So finally, Samuel looks at Jesse and he's like, dude, listen, God's not wrong. So where's the other son? I want you to text him, call him, FaceTime him, get him out here. David is shepherding sheep in the field so he doesn't have a signal so they have to go get somebody to get him. They bring him back. Sure enough, David is chosen after being forgotten by his dad as the second king of the nation of Israel. And now that's a good story until you know that after he was anointed or picked king, he had to go back out to the field and shepherd for 15 more years. Can you imagine being a shepherd boy while you know you're meant to be a king. David finally takes the throne at the age of 30. He's a pretty successful king. He is known as a conqueror. He's known as a leader. But one of the things that David, as you read scripture, that you will find is that he was a battler. He faced constant battles everywhere he went. He faced literal battles. He faced battles around other people. He faced spiritual battles. And then he faced an internal battle. As we read scripture, we see the internal struggle that David often faced. In fact, there's a story of his, stories of his sin are actually in scripture, which is good news for us because David's a Bible hero, but he's still messed up and God let us know about that in scripture. One specific case, he was supposed to be out with the rest of the kings fighting a war, but instead he decided he was going to stay home, play Xbox, watch Netflix. One evening he sees Bathsheba bathing on a roof next to him and he liked what he saw. He caught her over, slept with her, got her pregnant and then tried to cover it up by having her husband killed on the front lines of battle. David faced battles. He would go on to write a lot of the, the Psalms in, in the Bible, about halfway through your Bible if you just open it. But he wrote a lot of those Psalms and I wanna just read one that kinda shows you how much David really did battle internally and externally and spiritually. This is what Psalm 13, verse one says. David says, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle? You see this, see the battle? How long must I battle? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? So David is obviously, he's, he's fighting a battle here. It's an internal battle internal struggle. He has a physical battle he's fighting, but he's obviously at turmoil within himself. In fact, most scholars believe that David is is severely depressed when he writes this psalm. Like it's not just I'm sad for a moment, but no, he is severely depressed. But look at just a couple of verses later, verse 5. He says, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. He sounds like an emotional basket case, doesn't he? I'm depressed, but God, you've been good. Do you see how he's, how, how he's, how he's wrestling inside, how he's battling his own emotions, his own, his own, his own spirit? Do you see how, he, how he's battling? He, he's, he's sad, but he's trying to, trying to preach to his heart about how good God has been. He's, he's in this struggle. He's, he's, he's in, this, in this battle. David knew about fighting battles. And so some of you, maybe you needed to come here today to hear me say that if you feel like you're in a battle, you're constantly fighting battles, you have good company. David, a man after God's own heart, as the Bible would call him, fought battles. So that brings us to our story today. All of that was free introduction. I'm gonna be in First Chronicles just to kind of set up this story. The Philistines are Israel's enemy. They had been for a long time. When the Philistines hear about David taking the throne, they decide that it's a good opportunity to try to take advantage of the young king and take some ground. So the Philistines gather up their men to go and attack Israel. But meanwhile, David hears about the plan. The plan is revealed to him. And as he goes out to meet him, this is what he prays. Look at 1 uh, Chronicles 14, verse 10. It says, so David asked God, should I go out to fight the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? The Lord replied, yes, go ahead. I will hand them over to you. So how do we get victories in our battles? The first step is to surrender. The first step is to surrender. Now, I know that sounds funny, especially if you hadn't been in church much. It sounds really odd that, okay, in order to get victory, I have to surrender. In order to win the battle, I have to wave the right white flag. But oftentimes, if you read scripture, there are are a lot of these kind of counterintuitive ideas in scripture because that's just how God works and that's how big he is. Like. Jesus' Sermon on the Mount said, Blessed are the poor in spirit. He said, The last shall become first. You give to receive. And so the Bible is full of like these little counterintuitive things, but the first step in you and I winning any battle we face, no matter what grounded on, is to fully surrender to God. Here's David with full knowledge of what the Philistines are about to do what they're planning, what they're they're marching towards, yet before he goes out to fight, he surrenders to the will of God. Our first step in any battle that comes our way is to surrender it to a God who knows so much more than we do. To say, God, I know what I want to do. I know what I wanna say. I know the anger I wanna show. But God, what do you want me to do? God, where do you want me to go? God, what are you doing here? I've got good news for you today. When you surrender your battle, and when you surrender yourself Under what God wants, you will never fight alone. Do you hear me? You're fighting right now. You're fighting spiritually. You're fighting emotionally. You're fighting with someone. You're fighting with something. You do not fight alone when you say, okay, God, what do you want me to do? He will never leave you stranded out on an island to fight by yourself. He is your victor. And when you surrender to his will, you never fight alone alone he'll give you the strength and he'll give you the wisdom that you need to keep fighting in the battle you know one of the reasons why i know i'm not surrendered to god sometimes is because i find myself fighting battles that aren't even mine here's a news flash it's going to surprise some of you, you might want to write this down you might want to tweet it it's, unless twitter got cut off this morning might very well may have. You are not meant to fight every battle that comes your way. Every person that wants to engage in a battle with you, you are not meant to fight. You are not meant to go out and tell the truth about every lie that's told about you. You are not meant to to change everyone's opinion of you who said something negative about you. Better yet, this is mind-blowing, you are not meant to comment on every Facebook post that you disagree with. You are not meant to respond to every comment that is made about you. You are not meant to share your political opinion about everything that you see that you disagree with. And some of us today, you are tired of fighting battles. And the reason why you feel like you're always fighting a battle is because you're fighting battles that you were never meant to fight because you haven't surrendered them to the will of God. And so you've been out and you have been blasting your machine gun everywhere and you're running out of bullets. And the reason is because you're fighting all of these battles that were never meant to be fought. You cannot change someone's opinion of you by, by going and trying to make up, trying to tell every person that lied about you the truth. You are not going to change their opinion. You're not going to change their heart. At some point, you have to surrender and say, God, you've got to fight this one for me because I'm tired of trying to right every wrong. If you're tired today, yeah. if you're tired today, it could be because you're fighting battles that weren't yours to fight. And do you know why, just being honest, open, and transparent, do you know why I fight those battles sometimes? It's not because I want to, it's because they push a sensitive button, a sensitive issue with me. You ever find yourself doing that? Like you would have been good, but they went there. They pushed on your insecurity pushes on the thing that you've never felt confident about. It reminds you something or someone of your past and so all of a sudden you're battling with them when the real battle is within. Just because they went somewhere that you can relate to something in your past, you decided I'm going to start spraying bullets and you're running out because the battle shouldn't, is not supposed to be with them, it's supposed, to be, it's supposed to be within. Surrendering to God is an exercise in self-control and trusting in God to do the work. Some of you, that, that's where your battle is. You have no self-control. So you can't, you can't control when somebody says something about you, you just spout off. You can't control when it comes to battling that sin because you have no self-control and you don't trust God to do it for you and through you because you've, you've never surrendered it. Many of the ba- battles that we fight with them are really from within. Think about it. That waitress or waiter that you popped off at because they let your water glass get low, it wasn't anything they did, was it? It was really because something else that happened that day. Something else that you were going through. So now all of a sudden you're, firing bullets at them when they didn't deserve it. Or the person that you sped up to get behind because they turned at the four-way stop and you got there first and they went first. And so you pulled up as close as you could and you told them they were number one. <laughs> With the thumb, of course. That was never about them. All they, all they did was go out of turn. It was really about something that the enemy had been trying to, trying to tell you in your head. And now all of a sudden you feel like that's confirmation of it, so now you're mad at them. or those kids that you jumped all over for being kids? I did that last night, y'all. He was just being a boy. But because I was tired and thinking about other things, all of a sudden now, now I'm mad at him. It wasn't with him. If we don't surrender our lives and our battles, we will constantly fight battles that aren't ours. So how do we do it? I have a kind of a list of, of questions in my head that I ask Holy Spirit to help me answer. Number one is I try to ask, all right, God, wh- why does this bother me so much? What, what is inside of me? What, what am I feeling right now? that doesn't have anything to do with them, but wh- why, does this, why does this bother me so much? Do I feel out of control? Am, am I scared? You know, a, a lot of times we lash out on other people because of our own fears. God, am, am I scared? God, what, what's going on inside of me right now that, that's making me want to fight this battle? I ask Holy Spirit, what, what's, really, what's really happening here? Like, sure, she's, she said that at work, but like, does she have something going on at home that I don't know anything about? What's, what's, what's really going on here? Do, do, I, do I actually know their heart? And then, God, what are you teaching me here? Because especially when it, becomes, when it comes to the, the, the battling of our, of our enemy, one of the things that I have been alive long enough to know is that Satan attacks where God is working. And so oftentimes it's because God's trying to do something inside of me. And if I can keep my focus on what God is doing and what he's teaching me, then it helps me not fight some of the battles that I shouldn't be fighting. It's, it's surrendering. God, why does this bother me so much? God, what's really happening here? And God, what are you teaching me here? What is this really about? So David surrenders to the will of God. They fight the Philistines. They win. I mean, it, it, it's not even a game. It's not even a ball game. They're, they're, they're taking a knee. They're running the clock out. I mean, they win in, in a landslide. But the Philistines still don't quite get the, get the idea. And so they, in verse, 1 Chronicles 14, 13, it says, but after a while... The Philistines returned and raided the valley again, and once again, David asked God what to do. In battles, we have to surrender, and then we have to inquire. Surrender and inquire. So David goes to God again. Now, now this this is important, and I think it's I think it's made obvious in this passage because it would have been really easy for David to have used the exact same strategy. It literally just worked. They ran the score up on him. It literally just worked. But instead, David goes back and he inquires, okay, God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you, how do you want me to fight this battle? Never underestimate God's ability to guide your life. Never underestimate God's ability to open doors, to close doors. never underestimate and, and, and this is huge, never underestimate God's ability to do huge things very quickly. Have you ever been in one of those situations where it felt like nothing was happening. felt like the end was never coming. felt like you were never going to have a job again. felt like they were never not going to be sick felt like you were never going to have someone to do life with again and everything seemed nothing seemed to be going on and then all of a sudden in a moment everything changes god has the ability to guide your life and god has the ability to do amazing things amazingly quickly never underestimate god's ability to guide your life and that's why prayer is so important y'all Prayer, prayer is, is important because that's how, that's how you speak to God. That's how you process things, but it's also how God speaks to you. And I think we, we underestimate prayer, don't we? And one of the things that I've noticed about, about myself is the more technological the world has gotten, and do y'all, do y'all remember like when videos were more than 60 seconds and people watched them all the way through? But as as, as sh- more short as our attention spans have gotten, and mine was already bad before. Like, my prayer life suffers too. And I'm not saying you have to pray for hours on end, but never underestimate the value, the value of prayer. And I, and I know sometimes it feels like your prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling, right? I mean, do you ever pray and you think, this is so stupid. Like, I don't even feel like God's listening. Have you ever been there? I did not say prayer is stupid. Don't. Don't quote me on that. Don't post that Instagram reel. Do you ever feel like that? Like your prayers are just hitting, hitting the ceiling? like, like you, you, and you, you even think, too, is anything actually changing? Like, is God going to actually do anything? Or better yet, the, the better question is if God knows my thoughts, then why do I have to tell him? But I, I don't know how to explain it, y'all. All But there's something powerful, even in the short attention span prayers that I pray, there's something powerful about what Holy Spirit and God does in that prayer. He does change things. He does answer my request. He does listen to my heart. He does change things on the outside of me. He does change things on the inside of me. He does guide me. He does show me the open door. He does close the door that I'm about to walk through like an idiot. He does things when I pray. When I pray, he has the amazing ability to bring peace and calm. And y'all, I don't know how to explain it, it happened to me last week. Is I can be battling something inside of me or I can be battling something externally or a Satan. But if I sit down and and, and I ask God to, re- to reveal to me what he's doing, there's it's almost like he stops me mid-sentence and just gives peace. And, direction. and I don't want to over-spiritualize it, but it, 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 it's just like all of a sudden I have such, such clarity in the midst of the chaos. Never underestimate God's ability to guide your life if you're willing to inquire and ask for his, his direction. A lot of times I think we start fighting battles and we start out pretty good and then we feel like we have it under control, like, like David's first battle here. We thought, hey, I won, I, I got this, God. And so we, we kind of we drift, drift away from, from the prayer and the, the following God as, as we fight because we think we have it, or maybe even as we get older, as the longer we follow God, we think I got it, I, I know this stuff. How many of y'all um, are directionally challenged? Anybody? I'll wave two hands. That's pretty good, wasn't it? Um, I, I am directionally challenged, and so uh, I use a GPS system daily. Not, not because I need to know how to get everywhere, because some places I know how to get. But for, for me, like, especially like Waze, anybody use Waze? Oh, you should. Especially like Waze, like it's not that I don't know how to get there, because I, I know how to get there. It's that I feel like sometimes Waze does some sort of magic where she'll give me a different direction and it saves me time. Y'all ever, ever seen this where she'll recalculate you because an accident happens 20 miles up on the, uh, on the interstate? Like I, I knew how to get there, but all of a sudden I know a better way now because I don't want to sit in traffic, right? Even, even if I'm going to Greenville, we have to go uh, get on 85 there at 14, also known as hell. No, I'm just kidding. We have to get on 85 there at, at 14 where it's always backed up. If it's y'all doing that quit, y'all go a different direction, okay? But I always put it in my GPS because sometimes she'll take me a, 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 a different route. You know, sometimes I think that's kind of what prayer is to us. Like, David knows that God's going to give them victory here. But he says, God, if there's a different route that you want me to take, God, I'm going to inquire. I'm surrendered. I'm going to inquire. God, you lead me because if there's something that I don't see yet, God, I want you to help me. I want you to recalculate me. And sometimes God will recalculate you and it will frustrate you because that's not the way he moved before. In reality, he is protecting you from something that you can't see yet. God doesn't expect you to to know what you can't know, but he does expect you to talk to him so that he can lead your life. So how do you how do you inquire? How do you ask God to to direct your life? I think it looks a lot like it does for David here before this battle. I think you ask God, you know what I'm feeling. God, you know what they're saying. God, you know what you, what I want to do. God, you know where I want to be. God, you know where I, I want to get but what do you want for me in this moment? Moment by moment, God, what do you want me to do now? And something happens, I can't explain it, where God begins to direct you and direct your life. So God responds to David, and he says, do not attack them straight on. You see? He recalculated. God says, don't attack them straight on. Instead, circle around behind and attack them near the poplar trees. When you hear a sound like marching feet in the tops of the poplar trees, go out and attack. That will be the signal that God is moving ahead of you to strike down the Philistine army. Surrender, inquire, and trust. So David has just won this battle with the Philistines. It wasn't even close. And now we ask God what he should do this time and God gives him a completely different plan. This time, God tells him to listen for, and scholars debate what this sound was. It was either the wind through the poplar trees or it was literally the angel armies marching ahead of him, but he tells him to listen for those and then move ahead. So if you're David here, you're probably thinking, God, uh, that, that that sounds fantastic, but if it ain't broke, don't fix it. God, last time, Last time, it worked. Let's run it back. Let's, let, 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 let's do, that, do that again. And, and here's what I want you to hear me say. Just because God does something one time in your life doesn't mean he'll always do it that way. And some of you today are mistaking. You are thinking that God is not active when in reality, he's active. He's just doing something a different way this time. Last time, maybe you had a financial need and maybe some random insurance rebate check showed up in the mailbox And so this time, because you haven't gotten the insurance check yet, just going a different route. You have to trust him, even when you're in the middle of the battle. You have to trust him, and don't make the mistake that God's not working because you don't understand it, y'all. If we could understand him, who would want to follow him? I need somebody smarter than me in this world, don't y'all? If 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 I was as smart as God, we would all be in a mess. But he's bigger. He's smarter, he's better, and he is working in ways that you can't understand and you should be grateful that you can't understand him because you're not that smart either. <laughs> so you might have to battle a little, a little differently. When you're in a battle with the enemy, in one battle, you may need to speak directly to the enemy and declare that he has no authority in your life you may have to speak out loud multiple times. You may have to rebuke him. But then there might be another battle with the enemy where you just need to go in a room by yourself and rest in the arms of, the, uh, arms of God and, and pray against that. Still another battle, you may need to talk to somebody else. That might be the way that God directs and leads you through that battle. At the end of the day, here's what many of our battles come down to. How much do I trust God? Really, think about the battle that you're facing or the battle that you've, that you've come out of. At the end of the day, your sanity and the end result de- is determined by how much you trust God. So really, how much do you trust God? I know if you've been in church a little while, the answer is, I trust God. I trust Him as my Savior. I trust He's always good. But really, how much do you trust God in your daily life? When you're in the middle of battles that you don't know how they're going to end. When you're in the middle of that relational conflict that you don't know how you even got there but you've wanted to just go away. How much do you really trust God? Do I trust God enough to believe that he'll take care of them even if I keep my mouth shut? Do I trust God enough that he'll provide for me even when I don't see how? Do I trust God enough that I'm gonna continue to come to him as I deal with my junk and I'm gonna get the help I need at Celebrate Recovery or Counseling? Do I trust him enough to surrender and trust that he is working in me and he is putting people around me to fight with me and for me? The battle's outcome hinges on our willingness to trust God. Why? Because God is the one fighting for you. You're just following him along for the ride. These, in this story, David was listening for the angel armies. In other words, he was supposed to move after they moved. They fought, he just walked behind. David didn't always get it right. But the Bible calls David a man after God's own heart, why? Because even when he failed to trust, even when he messed up, he always came back to God. David trust God in, in this battle. Look at verse 16, it says, so David did what God commanded, and they struck down the Philistine army all the way from Gibeon to Gezer. The last step in our battles is to see. Assured by the Lord that he would give Israel victory, David met the Philistines two miles southwest, that didn't matter a whole lot to y'all, of Jerusalem, and he forced them to retreat. The Philistines left so quickly that they left their idols behind, and David and his men Burn them. You see, what most scholars believe happened here is that the sound that went ahead of them, the angel armies or the wind or whatever it was, threw the Philistine army into such confusion that they were so discombobulated that they just, they just left. And it made this victory easy for David and, and, and his men, which tells me that a lot of times, while God is always fighting our battles and we win our battles, sometimes they don't end the way he, we think they're gonna end. Who would have predicted that outcome, huh? That this sound would throw the enemy into such confusion that they wouldn't—they wouldn't have to fight at all. Sometimes your battle doesn't end the way you think it's going to end, but God is still giving you victory. Some of you have battles in your past, and they didn't end the way you thought they would, did they? But yet you can look back and you can say, that wasn't defeat. That was God fighting for my victory. Because as I look back, he took care of me. I wouldn't be here without that battle ending that way. He is always working in ways that we can't understand. And when we're surrendered to him and when we're walking with him, we always see victory. Maybe we get the relationship back. Maybe not. Maybe they do apologize to us. Maybe they do update their Facebook post. Probably not. Maybe you do get what you've always wanted. Maybe not. Maybe you do get out of the situation. Maybe not. But here's what I know. When you fight battles God's way, you always see a victory. It may be messy. It may not be as easy as David and his men here, but you always, always, always see victory. Victory. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in the room this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, I want you to know that that battle is won. He has won the battle for your heart. He has won the battle for your destiny. He has won the battle for your eternity. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's standard. But God so desperately desired a relationship with you that he sent his very own son to win the battle once and for all for your soul and for your eternity. So, the Bible says that if we admit that we're a sinner, that we've missed the mark, that if we believe that Jesus came, died, and rose for us, we will be saved. So, right now, if you need a relationship with Jesus and you are tired of fighting alone, you're tired of fighting battles, having no idea which direction to go, you need Jesus in your life. He's knocking at the door of your heart. That's why you that's why you have that little feeling in the pit of your stomach. That's, that's why you're a little nervous right now. This is, this, this is how you accept him. It's not a magical prayer, it's just a confession. Say, Jesus, I surrender. I surrender to you. I've tried to get it right on my own power. I got nothing. I confess that I've messed up. I confess that I don't deserve your love, but I believe you love me anyway. believe you lived a perfect life. I believe you died on a cross and I believe you rose for me. So right now I surrender my life. I give you full control to do what you would like to do. I'm going to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.